0: Two scripture readings today, the first of these from the last book in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. What a glorious celebration! Those who have been redeemed by the Son of God and have put their faith in Him gather around the heavenly throne, there to offer eternal praise and eternal bliss. Heaven is real, and heaven is the ultimate destination of all the saints on earth. and May God grant that to all of us. Our second reading comes from Matthew chapter 5. It is the basis for today's message. If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, and come and offer your gift. So far, the reading of God's word. We are continuing our series of messages today uh, called The Four Sides of Forgiveness. That just really means that we're going to take a look at forgiveness from four different and equally essential directions. Last week, if you are here and you remember, we talked about the importance of forgiving other people. Today, we're going to take a look at the flip side of that same coin, and that's what to do when you need Forgiveness. Now, I think most of you know that forgiving others is hard enough to begin with. I mean, anybody who's ever needed to forgive someone else knows this. But where forgiving other people is very hard, needing to ask for forgiveness from someone else is probably ten times more difficult. See, when you're the offended person, uh, when someone asks you for forgiveness, you have a chance to be Very gracious about it, very magnanimous about it, even Christ-like, in the way that you graciously kind of let them off the hook by saying, Oh, forget about it. Uh, It's all in the past. Sure, I forgive you. Uh, We're still good friends. However, if you are the offender, when you have to go to someone and ask them for forgiveness, chances are you're not all that gracious. You're probably not all that magnanimous, and you're probably not very Christ-like in your thoughts at that time, at least in this particular situation. So today we're talking about asking for a specific kind of forgiveness, the hardest kind of forgiveness. Now, the New Testament tells us over and over again that we are to forgive one another, that we are to confess our sins to one another, and that implies that there's kind of a give and take to the way we forgive one another in relationships. You know, I forgive you, you forgive me. We're all one great big family, as Barney the Purple Dinosaur would probably sing. But whenever two people are at odds, nearly always you can point to areas in which both of them contributed to the conflict. I think of doing uh, marriage counseling over the years. Uh, it, It took me a while to figure out that when you have a man and a woman in your office, there is his truth, there is her truth, and somewhere in the middle is the real truth. I mean, so both of them probably contributed to the conflict, and both, in fact, both of them probably need to ask for forgiveness from one another. And as the Bible says, we are to forgive each other again and again and again and again, just as God in Christ has forgiven us. But today I want to talk to you not about those situations where both of you play a part in the conflict, and it ends up with both of you kind of shaking hands or hugging and say, "Well, I forgive you, and you forgive me, and uh, let's forgive each other." Today, I want to talk to you about those times when you and you alone need to suck it up and ask for forgiveness. I want to talk about those times when you are the one that is completely wrong, and you know it, and they know it. There's no question about it. You were the one. Who needs to ask for forgiveness. Now, how do you do that? How do you seek forgiveness in that kind of a situation and make things right? Now, I don't know whether you'd be happy to know this or not. I'm not especially proud to admit it. But today's message isn't based on academic theory. It's probably based a little bit more on years of personal experience. I have been wrong uh, more times than I can count in my life. And I say that, uh, just a little lightly, but I want to make it very clear that this is something that I don't take lightly, and it's something that none of us should take lightly, because there's nothing funny about creating conflict in somebody else's life or hurting other people who are close to you. So today, we're going to look at this message in like three different parts, and the first part I'm going to talk about are what I'm going to call three sobering camps. Three sobering can'ts that you need to consider when it comes to asking for forgiveness. And sobering can't number one is this. You can't undo anything. Now, if you've done some things that you regret, and most of us have, all of us have, my purpose is not here to beat you up or to make you feel guiltier. My purpose is just to point out the gravity of this situation so that you actually take your sin seriously. Seriously. See, when you ask for forgiveness most of the time, the other person will probably forgive you without hesitation. Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. But don't think that their forgiveness makes everything go away. See, whatever you did to that person, whatever you said to that person still happened, even after you have been forgiven. The other person may no longer hold it against you, but friends, it still happened. Now, maybe you're remembering this. And remembering that you did or what you said will prevent you from saying it again or doing it again. But you need to keep in mind that you cannot undo what you do and you can't unsay what you say. You need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe it will help you uh, learn to ask for forgiveness less in the future. You may even learn how to not get yourself in trouble by saying and doing things you shouldn't say or do. Now, again, I'm not telling you this to make you feel worse. I'm just saying that to help you remember the way that you treat other people, the things you say, the things you do are a very serious matter. Here's sobering cant number two. You can't control someone's willingness to forgive. Now, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but has it ever happened that you've gone to somebody and you've asked for, for their forgiveness and they told you to take a hike? No way. Get out of here. Buzz off. Get out of my house. Don't want to talk to you. Has that ever happened to you? Happened to me a few times. See, if you've offended somebody else, and who in here has not done that at one time or another, it's up to you to ask for forgiveness. When you ask, they may forgive you or they may not. Now, they're supposed to. We know that. Particularly if you're dealing with another Christian. And most of the time, I would tell you that they probably will. But sometimes it might actually take them a while. Maybe they'll look at you and say, I've got to think about this for a while. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm not quite ready to do it yet, or maybe I'm not able to do it right now. And have you ever known somebody who actually forgave you just like that, but then kept bringing it up over and over again? Now, we know that's not right to treat people. We talked a little bit about that last week. We also understand to an extent where that unforgiving attitude comes from. See, sometimes people are very slow to forgive because they're still hurting. They're still angry. They're still disappointed by what you said or did. Uh, and they no doubt want some assurances from you that this is not going to happen again. So you can't make someone's choice to forgive you. You can only make the choice to actually go and seek forgiveness. If you ask for forgiveness with a thorough understanding of the consequences of your behavior and a sincere desire to make things right, then you have done all that you can do. In a manner of speaking, you have put the ball in their court. And what I'm saying here is that in our relationships, husbands and wives, parents and children, friends and neighbors, workers, co-workers, students, whatever, uh, forgiveness is not always a given. You can't offend someone and automatically assume that they're going to extend you mercy. Now, that's what they're supposed to do, but it might not be easy for them, or they might even flat out refuse to forgive you and maybe never, ever forgive you. But you cannot control their response. Now, here's sobering cant number three. If you have sinned against someone, you can't ignore it. See, whether that other person forgives you or not, or even if they never bring it up, and even if they pretend that it never happened, You can't ignore it. You can't pretend that it didn't happen. You must acknowledge it, and you need to deal with it. That's why I read this passage before. I'm sure you heard this before. Matthew chapter 5. If you are offering your gift at the altar, I mean, put it this way. You've come to church, and you've come now to worship, to bring your gift of worship your gift of worship, or let's say your gift of a tithe, or you know, some gift of praise and thanksgiving, and you're sitting in the pew, and you suddenly remember that your brother has something against you, or you've got something against them, or you've got some point of unforgiveness, leave your gift. Leave your gift of worship. Leave your gift of tithe. Leave your gift of whatever, and go, leave it by the altar, and then go and first be reconciled to your brother, and then come back and offer your gift. Now, I preached on this a number of years ago, and I remember when I read this passage, I saw a guy about half the way down on the far side of this big church get up and walk out of the church. Now, that didn't, didn't register with me right away because quite often people get up during the service because they have to go to the bathroom or they just don't want to hear any more of the sermon. I'm not sure what. But anyway, he got up. But when the third service of that morning started, I happened to look out during the sermon and there he sat with a big smile on his face. Now that that was weird, I thought he was at the middle service. Well, after that service, he came up to me and he says, Pastor, I want to thank you. He says, when you read that passage, you we were talking about that I suddenly remembered this problem I have with my next door neighbor. He said, be honest, I've been a complete jerk with him. And so I went home and I knocked on the door I got him out of bed. I had to apologize for that too. But then I told him how sorry I was. I want to make things better. And he said, oh, forget it. He said, stuff like that happens. He says, so I'm back now and I brought my gift. See, Jesus is saying that before you cozy up to God on Sunday morning, before you attempt to bless him or seek to be blessed by him, you need to make sure that you've made things right with anybody that you've wronged. He's saying that you can't really be right with God and may remain wrong with other people. That's why Paul said in the book of Romans, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, if we at times, it's us who create conflict. And sometimes the the fault is entirely ours. And when we are the offender, we need to make the first move towards reconciliation. See, when a person enters the process of recovery... Let's just talk about alcoholism, for example. Uh, It kind of comes to mind because uh, a lot of people, when they go through recovery, go through what they call a 12-step program. Some of you heard that before. Some of you have been through that before. I don't know. But if you have, you eventually end up at step eight. And step eight in the recovery program is this. We made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Now, you can imagine that if you were going through an alcohol program and your alcohol is anonymous and you get to step eight and you sit down with a piece of paper, you start writing down, okay, who are all the people I've harmed? I've harmed my wife or I've harmed my husband. I've harmed my, my kids, uh, my boss, my workers or whatever. And then I'm, now I need to go and make amends. And I'm going to tell you, friends, all of us at some time or another need to do step eight. It's It's a necessity that we cannot ignore. Now, as we move into the, I guess, the middle part of this message, I want to talk for a few moments about how we can accomplish that. I mean, when we ask for forgiveness, what are we looking for? If if I have hurt you or harmed you in some way, and I come to you and I want to offer you or I want to seek forgiveness. What is it I'm looking for? Well, first of all, what I'm looking for is to seek to accomplish some reconciliation. If we have a a relationship that's broken or strained, we need to do what we can do in order to remove that obstacle that stands between us and others. Now, most of the time, at least in my experience, can be done with a simple apology. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's an acknowledgement that you're wrong, you recognize that you're wrong, you regret that you're wrong, and you don't want to have this tension between you and this other person. And if that other person is a believer, and if they're close to you, more than likely they're going to say, yeah, I understand. That's okay. I can deal with that. They'll forgive you, and we're both going to do our best to forget this ever happened. We're going to shake hands. We're going to hug, and we're going to be back where we belong. No longer are we going to be this way. We're going to be reconciled one to the other. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to seek to arrange restitution. See, restitution means that you're willing to do whatever you have to do in order to make things right and bring things back into balance. Now, for example, if somebody has something against you because you owe them $50, the obvious next step is what? Pay back the $50, huh? I mean, paying back money is the easiest form of restitution there is because it can be counted. I mean, other forms of restitution may not be nearly as tangible as hard currency, but it's just as necessary. So when you're in a situation in which you need to ask for forgiveness of your spouse, of your children, co-worker, church member, whatever, you also need to ask the question, is there anything I can do or is there anything I need to do to make this up to you? See, there are going to be some times when we can't, Uh, that that when we do something that can't be made right, just as I mentioned before. No, there's nothing you can do, they'd say. But if you can do something that will help bring that relationship back into balance, you need to be willing to do it. Asking for forgiveness also includes making amends. Now, here's the third part. What you're really looking for is to seek full restoration. You want that relationship back the way it used to be. I mean, where that offense no longer is between you. See, when you've sinned against someone, the onus is on you to take whatever steps might be necessary to make things right, from reconciliation to restitution to a full restoration. Now, the last part of this, maybe it's a little bit more practical. How do you go about asking for forgiveness? Well, there there are a number of things I would suggest to you. Number one is just take ownership of your actions. This is kind of like owning up to the fact that, yes, I am a sinner. I have done wrong. I goofed up. I messed up. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Now, if you did the wrong thing or you said the wrong thing or failed to do or say the right thing, then you need to you need to own it. Take responsibility for it. It wasn't because you were having a bad hair day. Uh, it wasn't because somebody pushed you beyond, uh, beyond limit. It wasn't because uh, your boss was all over your back. It's, it wasn't because the other person gave you no choice but to respond in anger. It was because you chose to do the wrong thing. I mean, that's the bottom line. If you want to experience reconciliation, you can't shift the blame to someone else. You have got to own it. And it means that sometimes you look the other person in the eye and you say, I was wrong." I did something I shouldn't have done. I said something I shouldn't have said. There's no excuse. I'm asking you to forgive me. But you can never be truly forgiven and the relationship can never be truly restored if you're not willing to own your part in that problem. second part is to take ownership of the follow-up. Now, I'm talking about where you make restitution, you seek restoration, and I know that's no fun being in the payback phase. Nevertheless, you need to give it 100%. See, seeking forgiveness includes seeking to make amends and seeking to make everything right. You need to demonstrate to the other person that you are ready, willing, and able to do that. And the third part is to take ownership of the outcome. See, oftentimes, even most of the time, when you ask for forgiveness, the other person is going to say, yeah, forget it, let's move on. And believe me, when that happens, you just kind of go, that's great. But sometimes they don't. They don't say forget about it. They just say, I plan on remembering this till the day I die. They don't say, let's move on. They say, why don't you move off? Uh, I plan on living in this problem you've caused for a long time. Now, we all know that they do that to their own detriment. Somebody who refuses to offer forgiveness when you've asked for it, It's not good for them to harbor that feeling of unforgiveness. And that's what we talked about last week. But we need to remember that it was your actions and your words that set that whole process into motion. If the relationship remains strained, you can't place the blame on them. Yeah, You ought to forgive, but if they're unwilling or unable to let it go, you need to be prepared for that outcome. Now, what I've been saying kind of over and over through this message is that we need to take seriously the offenses, the sins that we commit against each other. If somebody offends you, and you can brush it off and say, hey, no problem, let's let it go, let's keep on moving, then good, good on you. That's how everyone should be. But we should also never be quite so cavalier about our own actions. I mean, if we've done something to someone else... We've got to own it so that both of us can get over it. To take responsibility for it. Now I know many people who feel very sorry, very guilty about the way that they've treated other people. Uh, husbands who are, feel guilty about the way they've treated their wives. Uh, wives who feel guilty about how they treated their husbands. Parents who feel guilty about the way they treated their kids. Uh, kids who feel guilty about the way they've treated their parents. And we all go around feeling guilty And these obstacles cause us to do what? Just drift further and further apart. So I want you to know that things will never get better until you take ownership of your actions and take ownership of your responsibility to set things straight. Now, you're probably wondering, what's God got to do with this? If anything, so far it probably sounds like this is all about me. Well, it is all about you. It, but this is kind of the sanctified part of our life. What are we doing in response to great, God's great love for us? See, this is not about earning God's forgiveness. This isn't saying, Linnea and I have a problem because I said something to her or did something to her. And so what I'm going to do is go and I'm going to seek. I'm going I'm to confess and apologize and everything so that God will look at me and say, Wow, Pastor's really a nice guy. Let's put a little point up behind his name up in the book of life. That's not the point here at all. As we saw in week number one, I'm going to take you back to week number one now. We found out already that he has forgiven us through the blood of his son, Jesus the Christ. He has forgiven us completely, once and for all. All we really need to do is ask. In First John it says, if we confess our sins, he, that's God, is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God's forgiveness is already available to each and every one of us. I hate to put it this way, but some of the most unforgiving people I have ever met in my entire life have been Christians, quote Christians, who do not understand the grace and mercy of God. That's kind of a hard thing. That's kind of a hard thing to say, but sometimes Christians are some of the most unforgiving people. And I think sometimes we need to step back and remind ourselves, hey, I've been blessed by this God I profess to believe in. See, God's forgiveness is there for every one of us, and if we're expecting to be forgiven, if we're expecting grace and mercy to be shown to us, we need to do the same thing for others. I don't know how many times I've ever spoken to a congregation where we were making big changes, and I said, "Uh, "Friends, we're going to ask you to extend as much grace to us as God extends to you. You'd be surprised how how that that goes over. People go, okay, we need to do that, don't we? But see, in addition to God's wonderful forgiveness, we need to do that too. We need to remember this. You cannot be right with God and stay wrong with other people. I mean, God took the first step in in Bible class this morning, studying Joel. we, we, We heard about, you know, what happens to people who are not very repentant. The day of the Lord came to those people in Joel's day. But when they repented, when they relented, when they began to do the right thing, it wasn't because they did it that God, but because God was always there. God was always ready to do the right thing. That's why I read to you before, Matthew 5. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there. First, go and be reconciled to your brother and come and offer your gift. In our prayers, virtually every Sunday, we pray the Lord's Prayer. Do we not? And in there, there's a little phrase that says, And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, very literally translated, it says, and by the way, this is a very dangerous part of this prayer, Forgive us our sins in the exact same manner in which we forgive the sins of other people. That's pretty scary when you think about it. Are we being Christ-like in our attitudes, both in forgiving others and even seeking forgiveness? Now, my challenge to you is simply this, is there's a person in your life whom you need to ask for forgiveness. Do it. Don't put it off. Do it. Uh, Meet with them over a cup of coffee. Invite them to your house. Call them on the phone. If that's the only option, but get with them and say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? How can I make it right? And if they should happen to ask you, why are you doing this? You might have the great open door to say, because God in Christ has already done it for me. See, when each rift is made right, your relationship with God will move to a new level. Why should I forgive? Because I have been forgiven. Why should I seek forgiveness? (laughs) Because that's already been given to me. I have a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God, and if I count myself as being a Christ follower, I want to model each and every one of those attributes in my dealings with other people as well. May God grant us all the presence of the Spirit in our life to confess our sins and know that God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that he will empower us by the Holy Spirit to extend that same forgiveness and to receive that same forgiveness from others. In Jesus' name, amen.